So why are you here tonight? Probably nobody ever asked you that before on a Christmas Eve. But you know, each and every one of us is here for a different reason. I mean, some of us are here because, well, we got paid to be here. Uh, I mean, some of you have come out of tradition. I mean, after all, you always go to church on Christmas Eve and Easter and Thanksgiving and an occasional wedding or an occasional funeral. Uh, pastors sometimes call those people TCEers, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. Or sometimes they refer to them as the hatched, matched, and dispatched crowd. Now, some of you have come out of habit. I mean, after all, I, it's St. Mark's. I mean, you've been a regular part of St. Mark's and Mineral Wells for as long as you can remember. Some of you maybe came because you were begged by your spouse or a friend or somebody else. Uh, some of you felt pressured, and who knows, there may even be some of you here today that really don't want to be here, but somehow or another you just kind of felt obligated to come along. I'm not quite sure why. But I'm going to tell you something, it's going to sound terrible, but I really don't care why you came. And the reason I say that is because you are not here tonight by accident. God wanted you in this place tonight. Before you were ever born, he knew that you would be here December 24th, 2015 at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Mineral Wells, Texas. He wanted you here because he wanted to light up your life in a way that you never thought was possible. And really what he wants to do is kind of lift the dark clouds off of your mind. And really that's our goal for tonight. I mean, our goal is that God would somehow shed his light on you that you would understand him in a way that maybe you've never really understood him before. It's my hope and prayer that we move away from what a lot of people practice, which is Christmas light, L-I-T-E. You know, a few presents, a few carols, a little Merry Christmas, and then on with life. But instead, operate under the true Christmas light, L-I-G-H-T. The national poll that was taken not long ago, a week ago, in fact, showed that most people in America know why we celebrate Christmas. In fact, they said 96% of all people in America know why we celebrate Christmas. They know what happened at Christmas. But I want to ask you, do you know, that's you, individual, do you know why Jesus came? And do you know why and what he came to do? That's what we're going to talk about briefly this evening, because once you understand what Jesus came to do, I would suggest to you that you're going to get really excited about Christmas. Not only that, you're going to want to love God more, you're going to want to know God more, you're going to want to trust God more, because of the five reasons I'm going to share with you that he came to earth. And every last one of them was for your benefit. Now, to help you kind of remember these five ways that Jesus wants to help you, I put together a little acrostic, L-I-G-H-T, help you to remember. We're going to look at them and we're going to finish this sentence, Jesus came to earth to what? Well, very first of all, Jesus came to earth to light up your life. You know, it wasn't just the silly Debbie Boone song that said, light up your life. It's actually Jesus who came to want to light up your life and to let you know what God is like. I can't even begin to tell you how many people have asked me at the time I've been a pastor, what's God like? Well, pretty simple. Look at Jesus. 
Jesus is what God is like. Jesus said in John 12, I have come as a light to shine in a dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. This one is wallowing around, lost. The I stands for Jesus came to inform. Came to inform us that he actually has a purpose and a plan for every last one of us. Now, there are a lot of people who say, well, the only people who really have purposes and plans must be those people that God somehow calls to be pastors or teachers or missionaries. But every last one of you here, whether you have figured it out yet or not, have been called. There was a plan that God has for your life. The really cool thing is for you to be able to figure out what that is. Some of you, it takes a little bit longer than others. Some of you have known it since you were a little kid. I would say that from the time I was old enough to really understand, I knew that God had a calling on my life to do something in ministry. It took me a while to get into pastoral ministry. God had to knock a few rough things off of me uh, before I did that. I have a feeling that had I gone straight from college to seminary, I wouldn't be a pastor today. <laughs> They'd have thrown me out. But Jesus said here in John 18, I came into the world to tell people the truth. You know, there's a lot of stuff today that isn't true. I saw a poll the other day where they rated the, pre- the current presidential candidates, both Democrat and Republican, on their ability to tell the truth. <laughs> Guess what? None of them fared well, some worse than others. Ephesians chapter 1 says, God's secret plan. You know God has a secret plan. God has a secret plan that has now been revealed to us. It is a plan that's centered on Christ. That's the Messiah. Designed long ago, and this is his plan, that at the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven, everything on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. I don't know about you, but I think it's a pretty cool deal that, you know, as God's children, we've already got an inheritance. What is the inheritance? He's chosen us from the beginning, and all things happen just as he decided long ago. I mean, there's a purpose. There's a plan for this life. The G is Jesus came to earth to guard and guide your steps. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Now, a lot of people would have kind of understood what he's talking about because, believe it or not, a lot of people didn't have candles and they lit on Christmas Eve. They actually had a little candle sometimes fit on the top of their sandals so when they walked at night on stony paths, they could actually see where they were going. You know, your word is a light unto my path is what Scripture says. But Jesus said, now, I am the light of the world. Now, that's kind of interesting because uh, the Jews always thought that their Bible was the light of the world. They thought their Bible was the water of life. They thought their Bible was the bread of life. And Jesus comes and he says, I'm the light. I'm the bread. I'm the water. That's why they were kind of ticked off at Jesus from time to time. What, you're equal to the word? Well, Jesus might well have said, hey, guess what? I am the word. In fact, I am the first word. And I am the final word. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through darkness, for living light will flood your path. I don't know how many years ago it was. I I kind of stumbled across Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Today it is my life verse. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Again, I can't begin to tell you how many people I've ever talked to who say life just plain simple isn't working. My life is crooked. My life is a mess. My life isn't going anywhere. In fact, half the time my life seems to be going backwards. And I said, well, have you trusted the Lord with 
All your heart? <laughs> or do you hedge your bets? You trust him only as long as things go well. Uh, do you lean out on your understanding? In other words, do you, sometimes you say, well, I can figure this one out. You know, are, are you willing to acknowledge him in everything you do? In your job, in your leisure time, to say, Lord, this is all for you. The letter H, Jesus came to earth to heal your hurts. Psalm 103 says he forgives my sins and he heals me. It's always kind of interesting. You read further in the book of James and it says, is anyone among you sick? He said, you should call an elder and have him anoint you. It also talks about if you are sick, repent of your sins. It's interesting that some people are sick. Why? Maybe not necessarily a virus, but because of sin in their life. And Jesus says, I want to come and I want to heal you. I want to forgive your sins. I want to set you right again. I want to make you right. And T, Jesus came to earth to transform our lives. When anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Most of you know uh, that I have been working at Angola Prison, the largest maximum security prison in America, Angola, Louisiana, for nearly 15 years. These are guys that uh, have an average sentence of about 98 years. They're just never going to get out of that place. These are mostly habitual criminals or murderers or men that have been, uh, um, been condemned because of some sort of an aggravated sex crime. Now, you might say, like many people do, well, that's why we have prisons. Lock them up, throw away the key. But I could walk through that prison today and I could point out one person after another who is not the same man that he was when he went into that prison. And the reason why is Jesus Christ. They would say, when I came into the gates, when I came through the front gates and I was scared stiff, as one man told me, I was told I could either hang out with the predators or I could hang out with the Christians. He said, and to hang out with the Christians seemed like a smart idea to me. He said, and Jesus changed me. I'm a new person. I'm not the same anymore. A new life has become. And guess what? Part of his plan and purpose for my life was to bring me to this prison to make it happen. I think that could be applied to any one of us. You know, as we exit the year 2015 and Head into 2016, I'm sure there's probably some things that you want to change in your life. And the reason I know that is because uh, there are some things I want to change as well in my life. Let me give you a little bit of secret. Uh, You don't need a self-improvement program. What you need is a Savior. You need Jesus in your life to guard you and guide you. It's always kind of interesting to me that that very first Christmas, the wise men saw this bright star shining in the sky, and they followed it from the east, wherever that was, to the west to find the baby Jesus. Now, for 2,000 years, astronomers have been trying to figure out what that big light was. I mean, uh, was it Halley's Comet? Uh, Was it uh, a meteorite? Was it an asteroid? Was it a giant big star? Was it something special God put up there? And the answer is, we really don't know. But one thing I think is pretty obvious, everybody saw it. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that says only the wise men saw this star. 
Now, if everybody saw it, guess what? Not everybody did anything about it. They saw the light, but they chose not to do anything about it. The wise men saw the light, and they decided to follow to Jesus. That's why they call them wise men. Now, the question is, how wise are you? Maybe it's time to wise up. See, it's one thing to know Jesus is the light of the world. It's another thing to let him light up your life. You've got to choose to live in the light. Now, tomorrow morning, December 25th, 2016, God willing, you're going to wake up. And chances are you're not going to think too much about the sun. You know it's going to come up and you kind of take the morning light for granted. But without the sun, without the light, there would be no warmth. Without light, there would be no color because that all comes from light. Without light, there would be no beauty in this world. Without light, there would be no growth. Without light, there would be no health. Without light, there would just literally be no life. Now, why is it? It's just because physically you cannot live without light. And in the same way, you cannot live spiritually without spiritual light. If you don't have God's light in your life, the Bible says you're spiritually dead. You need to come alive with God's light. And when the light of Christ enters your life, you're guided and comforted by it, and you'll be challenged by it, and you'll be changed by it. Now, Christmas Eve may not be the time to ask a confrontational question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Which is more foolish, the child who's afraid of the dark or the adult who's afraid of the light? Which one's more foolish? Who's the bigger fool? Is it the child who's afraid of the dark or the adult who's afraid of the light? I know a lot of people who are afraid of the light. There are some people who say, well, I'm afraid to give control of my life to Jesus. I mean, he might turn me into some sort of a weirdo. Uh, he might turn me into some sort of a religious zealot. Uh, He might make me some crazy religious goofball nut. He might turn me into some sort of Jesus freak. Guess what? I've been called a Jesus freak and worse in my life. I don't mind. I I, I like that. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Jesus is not, God's not going to turn you into a nut. I mean, there are plenty of them already. He doesn't need any more in this world. But when you receive Jesus Christ into your life and you open your life to him, he doesn't make you crazy. He makes you fully alive for the very first time. I mean, when Jesus comes to your life, he makes you what you were always meant to be. That's his purpose. Let me ask this question. What would happen? What would happen if you really opened your life to Jesus and everything Jesus means? Well, the Bible says that the darkness in your life would disappear and the light of Christ would shine through. When I went back for my 25th high school reunion, and understand, I graduated from a Lutheran high school. Everyone in my class was absolutely stunned to see that of all people in my high school class, I was a pastor. Kids in the public school in town actually came to our reunion to see whether it was true. <laughs> it is kind of like, what happened to you? 
Well, I guess I could have said if I had thought about that time, the darkness of my life disappeared and the light of Christ began to shine. The Bible also says that whenever you become a Christian, you become a, a brand new person inside. You're not the same anymore. Life, a new life has, has begun. And maybe you've actually met somebody who just suddenly came to know Jesus for the first time and you saw the difference. They had a smile on their face. They had a little bit of zip in their step. They were just different. And the most ironic thing, I think, is some people celebrate Christmas year after year after year after year after year, and they never open his Christmas present to them, the gift of salvation. Let me ask this question. What if I gave you a gift tonight? I gave you a gift. And a year from now, you showed up in church again, and I said, how did you like my gift? And you said, oh, I liked your gift. I loved your gift. I just haven't had time to open it yet. Now, that'd be kind of silly. But I'm telling you that on Christmas, God has a gift for you. It's called a new life. It's called an abundant life. It's called an eternal life. It's, it's a glorious life. It's a forgiven life. It's a mercy merciful fed life. And, and tonight, guess what, is as good as any night to unwrap that gift. Back in 1968, a man by the name of Harry Reasoner said something rather interesting on 60 Minutes. Remember Harry Reasoner? Some of you old enough to remember him. But on 60 Minutes in 1968, he said something that strikes me as true now as it was, and let me read to you what he said. The basis for this tremendous annual burst of buying things and gift-giving and parties and near hysteria is a quiet event that Christians believe actually happened a long time ago. You can say that in all societies there has always been a midwinter festival and that many of the trappings of our Christmas are almost violently pagan. But you come back to the central fact of the day at the quietness of Christmas morning, the birth of God on earth. It leaves you only three ways of accepting Christmas. One is cynically, looking at it only as a time to make money or endorse the making of it. One is graciously, the appropriate attitude for non-Christians in a largely Christian society who wish their fellow citizens all the joys to which their beliefs entitle them. And the third, of course, is reverently. If this is the anniversary of the appearance of the Lord of the universe in the form of a helpless baby, then this is an important day indeed. But it's a startling idea, of course. My guess is that the whole story, that a virgin was selected by God to bear his son as a way of showing his love and concern for man, it's my guess that in spite of all the lip service they have given it, it is not an idea that has been very popular with theologians. It's somewhat an illogical idea, and theologians love logic almost as much as they love God. It's so revolutionary an idea that it probably could have only come from a God who is beyond logic and beyond theology. It has a magnificent appeal. Almost nobody has seen God, and almost nobody has any real idea of what he is like. And the truth is that among men, the idea of seeing God suddenly and standing in a very bright light is not necessarily a completely comforting and appealing thought. 
But everyone has seen babies, and most people like them. If God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. If he wanted to know his people as well as to rule them, he moved correctly here, for a baby growing up learns all about people. If God wanted to be intimately a part of man, he moved correctly here, for the experience of birth and familyhood is our most intimate and precious experience. So it becomes, it comes beyond logic. It is what Bishop Carl Morgan Block used to call a kind of divine insanity. It is either a giant lie or it is the truest thing in the world. It is the story of the great innocence of God, the baby God in the power of man. And it is such a dramatic shock for the heart that if it is not true for Christians, nothing else is because this story reaches Christians universally and with profound emotion. So if a person is touched only once a year, that touching of Jesus is still worth it. And maybe on some given Christmas, some final quiet day, that touch will take. The message of Christmas is the Christmas story. If it is false, we have wasted our time. If it is true as it must be, it makes everything else in the world all right and full of light. May God bless you in pursuing the light.